We were plugged in with the press conference. CEO and Chairman Cal McNair and General Manager Nick Casario heard the whole thing. And, Johnny, some reaction as Nick had a lot to say. Obviously, this is not a fun time to dismiss a coach, move into another search. I think there's a lot of excitement that will ensue here as some of the names that they're possibly interested in have been reported by various media sources. And we got into that in the first hour. We can maybe do that in this hour as well. But I want to react to some of the things Nick had to say. You get how difficult this is in the building. Oh, and we're yeah. here in the building. We see the people. We see the guys checking out. We see some of the coaches. Uh, I haven't seen Lovey Smith yet since this happened. But one thing that uh, is kind of blowing up Twitter right now and that everyone was interested in hearing more of during the press conference was Nick basically saying, look, I've got to be better at my job. I've got to do a better job here. The results are unacceptable. So he's going to work his butt off to do the best possible job, get the best possible coach, obviously continue to select excellent players and even better. But also, if whoever comes in here, and I'm paraphrasing, doesn't think that he's up to those duties or Mm -hmm. You know, the same kind of responsibilities he's had here. He's certainly more than willing to listen to that and accept that. So I don't know what to make of it. You know, it was vague, yet not. Yet obviously Cal McNair is leading this thing and and more involved than ever in the coaching search Mm -hmm. and the direction of it. And I just found it interesting how Nick took this press conference, the direction it took after he said those things. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's a tough spot. I think one of the things about this day, it's really difficult. I mean, mm-hmm. we get on the air and we talk and, you know, we do our thing and we talk to, you know, John McClain, we talk to Spencer, we talk to Andre, we talk to those people and talk about this. I mean, they have an idea, obviously, but being in the building every single day, we we see these guys every single day. We We know what's going on. Like I saw Dino Vasso today. He was going to the locker room, and I just thought about him for a second, like, what's this mean for him? Yeah. No, what does this mean for him? By the way, all the assistants are under contract at least through the Super Bowl, right? Right. right. So their contracts go, and so they're here, and they're free to mm-hmm. you know, work with some of the players on the way out and sure. talk with them right. and things like that and plan their future, and they could possibly be retained. It's happened here before. Bill Kolar mm-hmm. is one example of that. Danny Barrett. Danny Barrett again, yes, from the previous regime. Uh, Bobby King has been here mm-hmm. for multiple regimes. So you have that as a possibility. My my point in that is this is a really tough day. A lot of times the exit interviews are GM, head coach. and they, Well, today it's, it's all Nick. He's having to handle all that. He's got to stand up in front of a team meeting and talk to them about the situation. Now he's got to meet with the media and talk. And whenever you're making a change to head coach, guess what? Things have probably not gone well. Yep. So now you have to go up there and talk about making making a change and making another change. I I, I, I tweeted this and then I I screwed up my grammar and I got mad and so I took it off. But <laughs> but I essentially said, you and I. I mean, we're Houstonians now. I mean, yeah. I'm I've been a Houstonian since you know eleven. I wasn't born here, but got here as yeah, fast as I could. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to see this thing get right as soon as humanly possible. Yeah. These last three years, especially, have been very, very difficult. Well, it's unprecedented in the I mean, history of the organization. Absolutely, it it, it's you know there are not a lot of there are not a lot of teams throughout the league that have had to deal with some of the things that we've dealt with. I mean, it's just been really, really difficult. But if it takes a little extra time, such that you get the right people in place to build the foundation and get it right as soon as possible, 
so that we can move forward and become a team that's in the AFC. Whenever you talk about the AFC playoffs, that we are just a given. You're going to talk about the Texans. They are a given. They are there. It's like the Steelers. I had such a hard time this offseason talking about the Steelers being a team that maybe will pick in the top 10 in the draft. It's just that's not what the Steelers – the Steelers, are. they've built that foundation a long, long time ago, and they just continue to build and build on it. That's where we have to get to. We can't build this thing on shaky sand and all this kind of stuff. We've got to get it right, and we've got to get going in the right direction. And I feel like Nick said that's the plan. Here's the other thing, because I'm going to wait a text here after a little bit, you and I. Mm-hmm. He said he was going to talk to some people in the building. Ooh. I'm just saying, you and I are as Are we available? Dentists. I'm just saying, <laughs> if, you know, a text or a call is needed, yeah. we're available. Yeah, he's going to be like, we're available Vander, to help. Vandermeer, what show should I binge watch this <laughs> offseason uh, with the, you know, five minutes a day I have? Because I think you'd be good telling me that. Like, yeah. what about classic rock selections or 70s soul? You got some yeah, ideas? I'll stop it. You, no, stop it, because you could, you know, but I'm just saying, it could happen. That, that. That acknowledgement of, uh, of allowing people in the building. Now, I don't know who that ends up being. I don't know whether it's a cross-section of people. I, I think that one of the more interesting aspects of an interview is actually not in the formal part of it. I think about this a lot of times with players. When players go to the combine, they know when they walk into a room, they're on their best behavior, right? Mm-hmm. Absolute best behavior right. because that's the interview. But watch them outside the room. Watch them when they go and they meet somebody that's not part of the interview. That, mm-hmm. to me, is the, the interesting thing. If somebody is here for an interview, if they come for, for an interview, watch how they are with, if they go to the cafeteria and eat, how are they with the cafeteria staff? How are they with people that sure. aren't in the interview process with them? If those you are the things that, I would like to know. If you there, can observe some of those things, you get a really good read on it. It's kind of like natural habitat observation. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. And Kubiak liked that at the combine, watching them interact. I did Absolutely. that actually. I did that with the quarterbacks in 14. Well, I thought we were, you were going to say you did that with me in 14. It's like, well, okay. with you in 14. Well, you were off on your own, like, yeah. you know, with your Spock like ways when you analyze this stuff. Yeah. And I didn't want to interrupt you. It's like, right. it's like getting between an animal and his food yeah, yeah. Or, or a woman and shoe shopping. Oh, I'm boy. not going to interfere with you watching combine stuff. Gotcha, yeah. But I was watching the quarterbacks in 14 and interact with each other other mm-hmm. and it's it's clear they gravitated toward johnny manzel right. well how did that charisma work yeah, out for you in the true. football field Derek carr was another one and mm-hmm. teddy bridgewater as well mm-hmm. but nobody from that class just completely blew up garoppolo's had some moments and they've all had little moments here and yeah. there but the point is this i like that interaction observation but where were you going with that with nick were you saying that that's something that you would tell him about i mean he knows these things no i know he i knows think that things, with him but, though no, i'm saying if if it's if Nick, if it's Nick, you just—I mean, those are things you'd like to know. Like in the interview, you know, oh. a guy's going to be on the up and up. But if you're Nick, you'd like to know some of those things. Oh, about the coaching you know? candidates. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. He's definitely going to. That's know. why but- he can send me on stealth missions to the Senior Bowl when I interview players. And I interview oh, players, yeah. I can come back and I can tell them. Stealth. Hey, you know who's, you know who the best interview I ever did at the Senior Bowl? Dak Prescott. Nope. Oh, well, it's was very it? good. It's very good. Yeah. He plays for us now. Uh, the good guy award went to John Grenard. Oh, John Grenard. That's right, because mm-hmm. you did meet him at the Senior Bowl, and then when we drafted him, you predicted that pick. That was really cool. Yeah, Without yeah. even knowing that yeah. they were going to go that way. I had no COVID. idea. That you was don't a COVID get a lot of year. information. I didn't see anybody. But, 
but yeah, he was he was my favorite interview. He's the most gregarious and outgoing guy there was. So that was a really fun interview. But I was he like, did, fun. did he do a social media post for us like Dak Prescott <laughs> saying, "Go Texans"? We have that somewhere. We have it we somewhere. Have it somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere. He did. I think it. we, we should play it. it next Tuesday yeah, after they should. lose. I'm just kidding, kidding, Cowboy fans. But with Nick, it's funny because some of these coaches that you interview, these candidates. Mm-hmm. They're going to want to know, well, what kind of control or say will I have in personnel decisions? And they got to be able to deal. work together however it's structured, whoever has final say or semi-final say or final say over certain things or I get to order breakfast or whatever the case may be. They've got to be able to function together. So we'll see. We'll talk more about it as the press conference is concluded and we'll reflect more as it continues here. This special edition of Texans All Access. It's Texans Radio. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a Monday edition of Texans All Access. It is our last episode of the 2022 season. And typically, we only have one hour. Well, this is that hour because, well, this whole show has been, and I say whole show, we started at five with what was the Coach's Soap show, but we turned it into All Access. We heard from uh, Cal McNair and Nick Serio uh, about the removal of Lovey Smith as head coach for your Houston Texans. Uh, and there have already been names bandied about uh, that the Texans have requested for interviews. D'Amico Ryans, the defense coordinator for the 49ers. Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Lions. And those are two names that people hit me with a lot. So those two have been uh, amongst the list. And I think there are a few more. Uh, but those are the two I know for sure. So without having a list in front of me, I'll, just, I'll leave it at that. There'll be plenty of time to talk about that and then some. But I welcome you back in. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and we had an interesting day yesterday. There's no doubt. I know a lot of fans, you know, frustrated about not having the number one pick. And look, I'll I'll speak to you as a fan, and then I'll speak to you as an analyst. As a fan, I kind of I kind of felt it in the sense that man, you know, this season has been really rough. Getting the number one pick would not soften the blow of 18 very difficult weeks of a season. But you know what? Having a number one pick, we're on the clock. There's a lot of people talking about the Texans, and maybe it looks more attractive because to a head coaching candidate because you have the number one pick. The other side of it is you have the number two pick. And there are a couple of very good quarterbacks if that's the way the Texans decide to go. There are two excellent defensive linemen in Will Anderson Jr. and Jalen Carter. You're going to get an elite player, number two, and you hope you find not the best one, but the right one. And I think that's most important to think about with that number two pick. Get the right guy. That is when your organization goes to a different level. You get the right guy. Not the best guy, but you get the right guy. And if you do that, then you got an opportunity to turn the corner. So, yeah, it was, it was kind of odd to sit there and watch a team that had struggled so much in the fourth quarter lose a lead like they had in the fourth quarter, but then come back and win it the way that they did on that fourth and 20 play. Um, but things changed for me when I got to the locker room. When I got to the locker room, man, it was, it was a crazy, crazy scene, which was very, very cool to see. And Jalen Petrie was there greeting all of them. He was there. Um, I think he had just gotten out of the shower. He had a towel wrapped around, a T-shirt on, and guys were just coming in, and he was just pumped. And that's the leader of this team. That's the guy. He's the alpha going forward, or he's going to be one of them, and that's good to see. He had such a great season. I hate to see him go out of the game, but – the guys in the locker room were just joyous, man. Jordan Akins was so excited. I mean, he had a great season. I mean, a great season for Jordan Akins. I know there's more to be had there um, when a new coach comes in, and we'll see what changes get made on the staff and how things are going forward. But um, it is definitely a pivotal 
offseason for many, many, many reasons. Many reasons. But get it right and get it going forward in the right direction, and then this thing could be on stable ground for the next decade plus um, where it needs to be. City of Houston needs to be in the mix in the NFL playoffs year in and year out. And if you get that foundation set right this year, then you can be on your way uh, for many, many years going forward. All right. Talking about yesterday's game, talking about the future, and many other things, including how Andre Ware and I are on the right side of the Trevor Lawrence argument, and Mark is still fighting it. We caught up with Dre, but we started with his thoughts about that game on Sunday, 32-31, over the Colts in Indy. Dre, you tell me, players, coaches, playing this game yesterday, converting fourth and long twice, the odds against that are huge, but the will to win, you just can't take that away from them when they take the field. What do you think? I can promise you that they're not thinking about the draft, uh, nor are the coaches. They're thinking about wins because that's how they survive, and that's how they're on rosters from year to year. You're judged on your performance. Coaches are judged on wins and losses, and so – when you have a chance to win a game, no matter if it's the last game, what the ramifications are for after that game, draft-wise or draft capital, players and coaches are not thinking about it. And uh, and they're, they're going out, they're going to lay their, you know, they're going to give you their best effort each and every time because you're putting together a resume tape of the season. It hadn't gone your way, but other teams, 31 other teams are watching, our scouts are watching, and personnel members are watching you're gonna you're gonna go out and play to win and uh, and put something on tape that's positive and and if it spills a win at the end of the day no matter what that's that's what you're trying to do that's why you go out dre i'm gonna ask you the question i gave mark now i'm gonna give you a second to think about this and i gave this to mark as a little homework assignment before that's a question for both of you obviously mm-hmm. there'll be a new coach in here what one or two things and there might be more but what are the main things that you would like to see in an incoming head coach for the Houston Texans? I'll let you think about that, Dre. Mark, you go first because I gave you a second to think about that during the break. Well, uh, besides being good on the radio, of course, Johnny, yes, which that's is priority number one for course. me. Uh, <laughs> honestly, I think that working you know, hand-in-hand with Nick Casario, you need alignment here between – and it's good to have some healthy disagreement. There's no question about that. But I think they've got to be on the same page. Right, what's important, how they want to run things. And I'm not saying that he and Lovey weren't, but I just think that moving forward with the new guy, that is going to be really important. Another thing, look, if the new head coach is not going to be offensively minded, not, in other words, a coordinator, I think you better bring in a hot shot offensive coordinator, either an established veteran with a great track record who can do it really well, or a young hotshot like a Ben Johnson type, and, oh, this is going to be our guy. But, you know, Robert Hensley made this point because we have an off-air text thread. You, you know, we all do. And, and he said, look, you hire a defensive coach with a young hotshot offensive coordinator, he's going to get plucked pretty quickly because these guys get plucked pretty yep. young to be head coaches. So you have that to think about. Now, that might be a luxury problem because you did well. But Detroit's going to lose Ben Johnson. And you got to take that into consideration if you hire a defensive-minded or a special teams type, John Harbaugh type and an offensive coordinator who has success, he's going to get plucked. Anyway, Dre, what do you think? Yeah, all of what you just said, but I would have someone, whether he could do it or he's going to hire 
an offensive coordinator or uh, a quarterback coach that can do it, but somebody that can develop a quarterback uh, here and, and develop him fast mm-hmm. because, you know, that, that's, that's why Jacksonville went from first pick in the draft to win in the AFC South. Um, it's why Buffalo is so dominant with Josh Allen. It's why Kansas City uh, have gone to, what is it, three, four straight AFC championship games because of Patrick Mahomes. It's why the Los Angeles Chargers are, are, are an up-and-coming team uh, because of, of Herbert. I mean, it's it, you just go down the line, and all those guys have someone either the head coach being offensive minded or he brings in someone that he trusts that can develop uh, that position, you've got to have it. And that's where it starts and stops. And then once you get that into or who it's going to be and who's going to coach that player, then you put the offensive line together. And I don't know that they're that far away uh, up front because there is some talent and some pieces of which to work with. But that that piece has to get itself functioning long before we can start to think about, you know, being a dominant offense or an, a fun offense to watch. You know what's interesting, guys? When you look at the AFC, I'm looking at the winning teams in the AFC, and it's first-round quarterback, first-round draft choice, first-round draft choice. So let's see, how far do I have to go? Well, the Dolphins, I'll call that a first-round draft choice, even though Tua got hurt mm-hmm. and he couldn't play. But all but he, the was a, te- he was a first-round pick. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. I'm so, just saying that he didn't finish the season with them, right. but so what? He racked up a lot of wins for them. Every winning team in the AFC has a first-round draft choice at quarterback. Let's go to the NFC. Eagles, Jalen Hurts. 49ers, Purdy, Garoppolo, <laughs> whatever. I know they have Trey Lance, but he's never played. Right. Uh, Minnesota, Kirk Cousins, Tampa Bay. All right, they got the greatest quarterback of all time to come over to their place. Uh, Cowboys, Dak Prescott, yep. Giants, Daniel Jones, first-round draft choice, so I got to give them that. And the Seahawks, Reclamation Project, Detroit Reclamation Project. It's interesting how the conferences are different, and it shows you that they're – is more than one way to get a quarterback. And here we are again trying to find a quarterback for this franchise. But look, that's the state of affairs. Mm-hmm. You have two first-round draft choices this year, two first-round draft choices next year. Dre, a lot of people are upset. You don't have the number one pick. You're going to lose out on Bryce Young. I don't know if Bryce Young's a lock, a lead pipe cinch to be the top prospect in this draft. Your thoughts lately on Bryce, on C.J. Stroud, on having the number two pick in the draft, and what the Bears might be thinking here with the number one pick. Man, you know, you you want that, that decision when the guys making the decisions get months to uh, to assess and do <laughs> I know. This. I mean, no, we're going to measure this every week. So, he just you know, gave you like five seconds for a pick. I'm, I'm not going to bring this up on the on the night of the first round. Say, well, on January 9th, you said. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, I like Bryce. Uh, the, the problem, and when you talk to personnel types and decision makers, is this size. I mean, that's just – uh, what people are talking about it at about six foot and about 190, a little more than 190 pounds. But he's a competitor. He can throw it. It's why I said that you better have some some plan on how you're going to protect him if that's indeed who uh, you you get. But you know, Chicago right now they hold all the pieces because Chicago, in my honest opinion, and I was texting with a friend, they're not taking a a quarterback now with Justin Fields there. Um, so what do they do? They have the option of trading back. 
somebody can come up like uh, you know a a Indianapolis can trade up and and now all of a sudden Bryce Young is in Indy for a couple of you know for years for years to come. So now who's it fall to at number two with C.J. Stroud and uh, C.J. Stroud and you got a bunch of others that uh, there are a bunch of options there. So I don't know that falling from one to two is a bad deal. You're still going to get one heck of a player. Um, are you going to get a generational player at that spot? Are you even going to take a quarterback at that spot or wait till, you know, the pick from uh, from Cleveland down the line? There's another, you know, option there. So there are lots of things to play with when you have two first round picks. Um, there's a, there are a lot of talented players. Bryce Young could is one. I know a lot of people felt that way here in the city. They wanted to see him come here. Um, I don't know. It, it, I would have to, I'd have to dive into a bunch of film to see exactly what's what. And it's not going to be some shorts workout that you bring him in because you cannot forget what what he looks like on game tape. I think that's where a lot of personnel types go wrong as they fall in love with players during a shorts workout or how fast was he in shorts or how did he throw in shorts. That makes no difference to me. What's your resume in terms of games, game tape? What's that look like to me? And I think also on, on top of that, Dre, too, is I, you're dead on, but now the coaches get involved in it. <clears throat> the coaches yeah. get involved in the analysis. It's been scouts. Now the coaches get involved. And we've seen a lot of times where the coaches go, wait, man, what y'all looking at? And the scouts are like, well, look how talented he is. And the coaches are like, well, wait, are you watching this? And now you've got that part involved. And then sometimes the coaches go in and say, have y'all seen this guy? We like this guy for this reason. So I think that's, that gets interesting when the coaches get involved in the process, which they do now. Speaking of coaches, this actually would be for both of you. I mean, Mark, we can maybe say this for a little bit later if we want to talk about it later. But I'm going to get Dre's thoughts. If you're a prospective coach and you're looking at the Texans and you're just looking purely at salary cap space, a lot of draft picks this year in what's currently on the roster. Where do you think this job is? I don't know what other jobs are going to be available. We know that Indianapolis is open, Carolina, that interim coach. I know I'm probably missing one. Lot. No, uh, maybe Denver. Missing. Denver, yeah. I don't know how it ranks with those, but Dre, how do you look at it when you compare? You got some cap space, you got another couple of drafts with a lot of draft picks, and you do have some young foundational pieces. How do you look at this job maybe this year as opposed to the last couple of years? I think it's better, and and whoever whomever's looking at it is looking at obviously the draft capital in the next couple of years. That's going to be attractive. Um, what's there already? I, I think this roster is going to get tor- torn to pieces, to be quite honest, especially on the defensive side because it was built in Lovey's uh, in, in the way he in his the way he he likes it, which is kind of mm-hmm. Tampa too and some other things. There aren't a whole lot of uh, guys running that defense across the league now. So that and players on that side of the ball, how fast can we can we get better? Fortunately for whomever's coming in, defensively, you can get better in a hurry. Uh, that's the side of the ball that you can actually tear it down and build it back up and, and, and be very, very competitive if you get players to understand your system and what – what uh, what you're trying to do. So I think that side of the ball is going to get torn down. Uh, offensively, I think there'll be some shuffling there. There are going to be some receivers that come in here. There are going to be some more running backs other than Damian Pierce that come in. Now, I think he will be the lead back 
obviously, but I think there's going to be others that come in and compete, receivers that are going to come in and compete. I happen to think they have two outstanding tight ends uh, to work with, so I don't think that needs to be be messed with. And then obviously the, the position of quarterback and the offensive line. So whomever's coming in has got to realize it's uh, they, they are going to have to strip it down to build it back up and how fast can you do that and be competitive at the same time. Yeah, I think it's in good shape for you know, building it up, right? But you've got to have alignment between the GM and the coach. And I mm-hmm. think that's that's kind of the attraction right now is the picks, the cap space, Casario, right. alignment, organization, different this time. And I'm not going to get into all those details, but we all have the imagination. This search is going to be different. And I, I'm looking forward to that. And obviously you hope it's quick. I mean, you want the guy today and you just want to have it all done with and have the perfect candidate, but this is a process. So we'll see how it goes. And by the way, Cal McNair and Nick Casario live right here at five thirty. So uh, we'll talk a whole lot more about this as the day progresses. And Dre, part of the job is, you know, a huge part of the job is winning the AFC South. And when we were in Jacksonville this year and the Texans won that game 13 to six, you walk by, and Dre, you were with me. We walk by the coaches' offices, and it's kind of like the Jags football operations offices on the way to the press box elevator. Mm-hmm. And they had on the mm-hmm. wall there, right in front of where Doug Peterson's office is, it had win the division in huge letters, and it had all four logos up there. Win the division, and they could put the results of every game that they play against AFC South opponents on there. And I thought, oh, win the division, you silly Jaguars. <laughs> oh, it's nice. Uh, it's a nice thought. I mean, come on, Doug. Yeah. Doug, set your set the bar a little lower so these guys could actually get over it. Well, look at them now. They won the division. What about the rest of the AFC South, Dre, moving forward? Because I still think next year, I don't think anybody's going 13-4, and four, right? I think that, I'm not going to say it's gettable for the Texans necessarily, but I don't know if it's as daunting as people think. The Jags should get better as long as Lawrence gets better, but he still has to improve. As well as he did this year, he's still going to have to get better because the last two games he didn't play as well as he wanted to. But he played well enough to win the division. And uh, that that's that's a that's a big big uh, punch in your ticket, so to speak, on your way to a career. Um, and if you look at it, it, it really spells out what we've been talking about, or we talked about earlier. Is, you know, who's got the better quarterback in the division? Well, it didn't take long for Trevor Lawrence to become just that. In Indianapolis, you know they've they've gone veteran veteran for the last few years, and that hasn't worked. I think it's time for them to. Put you know they're going to have a, a high pick. It's it's probably time for them to draft one and develop long term. So I think really that's a team that could get get well in a hurry, and I mean get well because a lot of talent on that team uh, didn't either didn't play much this year, didn't play at all this year, or played and got hurt and didn't finish the season, uh, like Jonathan Taylor for uh, for instance or Shaq Leonard on the defensive side. So they've got young, really, really good players. I'm talking all pro type uh, talent that didn't finish the year. So that if there's a team that I think could bounce back and win the division in a hurry, just by the addition of one player and a head coach, it would probably be the Indianapolis Colts. And then you go to Tennessee. I think that's a scrappy physical team built in its coaches uh, mindset. And they are they're a quarterback away. Tannehill's on that team. 
there's no way they lose, what is it, seven in a row to finish the year, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're going to get one or two, maybe three of those games, and they're in the playoffs. So um, that's a team that, that's going to add some pieces, especially defensively, and then maybe a receiver here and there. But that's another team that is a quarterback away and ready to go. And they don't have to hire a head coach. I think they've got a good one, a good solid one that has built it the way he wants to build it. They've just got to figure out a way to stay healthy. And when they have Tannehill or whoever the quarterback is, that's a dangerous team as well. So you're talking three teams, one that's young and up and coming with a ton of talent that already won the division this year. And you got two others that are very, very talented that are maybe a quarterback away from competing for the division as well. All right, Dre, you got three AFC playoff wildcard games coming up this weekend. You got Josh Allen taking on the Dolphins, the Bills and Dolphins up in Buffalo. Then you got Herbo v. Lawrence in Jacksonville. And then you got potentially Lamar against Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Which one of those three games is the most intriguing from just the quarterback matchup itself? Uh, For me personally, it has to be uh, Cincinnati and Baltimore. And you're talking two phenomenal players. And that's provided that uh, Lamar is healthy enough to mm. go and he can give you 100%. But, you know, 80, 85% of Lamar is going to be trouble for any team that they play. But the Ravens just haven't been, you know, they, they, they've got a, a good record and they've won games this year. Uh, but they just have, they've been so up and down. It's like a roller coaster season for them. And then this happens to Lamar. And then all season long hanging over the Ravens were Lamar's contract. And, uh, you know, there, there's a lot there that, that has to do with, you know, this how the season went for them. Um, you want to make that position happy so that he is just worry-free. He's got enough to worry about from week to week, but you certainly don't want him uh, ticked off about a, a, a contract. And so – I think that's the most intriguing game for me is Cincinnati. Can Baltimore rally and beat Baltimore, or can Cincinnati uh, be as dominant as they were last year and get to the Super Bowl? Dre, Max Duggan, NFL quarterback, yay or nay, go. Yes, yes. I love his toughness. I love uh, everything physically. You know, he's not going to measure up to, to Trevor Lawrence, but they're, you're talking about a generational player in Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. But – if you want a guy that's going to compete, he can throw it. Uh, he is. He can will his team to win. He's got grit. That's the second guy that you know. I've told you guys if I'm the Texans and I have mm-hmm. the, I have the decision and the keys to draft, I'm going to draft two of them. He may be the second one that I draft because of wow. the toughness, because he's going to compete, because he's going to push the other guy. Uh, he's used to being in that seat. Of, of being the underdog and just watch him develop and let's see what he becomes. But that would be the second quarterback on the roster that I would think I would try to get. Wait, are you guys taking your victory lap on Trevor Lawrence generational player yet? Are you really? You we didn't noticed, think we had you to. You haven't noticed that? I mean, we <laughs> thought he was when he was drafted. There's only right. one guy in this conversation that doesn't believe that. That's but, right. But there's no victory lap allowed to be taken yet. All right? He had okay, a good wait a second. So he won a division in his second year. How is the that Ravens not had that game in the bag. The Ravens had oh. that game in the bag, and Josh Dobbs. I'm not going to blame it on him. They called a horrible play. The Titans, you mean? The Titans. Did I say the Ravens? Yeah, you said Titans. Ravens. 
That's how upset I am about this. Duh. It's got them from three and seven to nine and eight. No, I I agree. Look, he had a great year. But you know what? Yeah. Moment of truth, baby. He's got to get better at that because that game, that game on Saturday night, the Titans had the lead. Remember Deshaun in the wild card playoff round? Remember Deshaun in the wild card playoff round the first time he played in that game? Horrible. He was awful. Right. So I'm going to give it to Trevor. How's he looking now? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's that. But I, I know this. There will come a time. There will come a time in a game against Jacksonville where we get to a break, and I'm going to say, Dre, hit him. Yeah. Hit him because that will knock some sense into him. The fact that Trevor yeah. is that guy. Trevor, we knew it in 2021. He was that guy. And then people tried to shoot holes. Oh, you he doesn't, guys, like, he doesn't like football. He's, he, you know, he's sunshine from, remember the time. He doesn't like. Sunshine dude, was good. He's good. <laughs> Trevor's good. Yeah, he's no, I'm really not, good. I'm not denying that. I'm not denying that. But I, I'm. I don't know if he's Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, good. I don't know if he's that good. I and told I you he's... about that list. I told you about the list of of uh, most of the highest rated players coming out of high school going into college. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's one of them. Go back and look at one of the most highly rated players from college to the NFL. He's one of them. So right, we'll you're the last one to get on this bus. <laughs> he laughs. I... I'm just saying they you got to pay your fare sometime soon, and they didn't score a lot of points. Later. Dobbs, no, we're just gonna lock him off the bus. I thought Dobbs did. I thought Dobbs did pretty well the other night, considering everything. Dobbs, I Dobbs, Dobbs played I'd well. Like, Dobbs played absolutely well. Dobbs has no reason to hang his head. He is in a, a, a situation that is almost impossible. Yet he almost pulled it off. And I've been. Yep. You guys have heard me. I've been raving about Dobbs forever, mm-hmm. uh, and he just needed an opportunity and finally 31 other teams are going to see it well i think the steelers knew it just they just ran out of room in their quarterback room but dobbs is outstanding he is super smart so he's going to pick up whatever it is that you put in he's very athletic he can run he did that at tennessee and he's got a big arm he just needs a spot in which somebody's going to give him a chance he is the next geno smith so to speak in my i like that I like that. Dre, quick uh, thought on tonight's game. Oh, boy. Um, I, I like what Tennessee – if Tennessee can hold up in the trenches, this is just the game that you mean Georgia TCU. does not. Boy, we're all over yeah, the place today. Tennessee. <laughs> TCU, yes. Uh, if they can hold up in the trenches, then Georgia it's, – it's not a game or a matchup that Georgia likes. They can slow Georgia down from running the ball, and they, they did with that 3-3 – Three three five. look, they did it against Michigan. Can they do it again this week? They're going to score, and it's not a game that, that Georgia likes because they're going to be spread out. They want to play you in the phone booth where they know where the tight end's lining up, and based on formations, you do this. Well, that's not Tennessee offensively, and it's going to have Georgia guessing, especially early. So look for a tennis, TCU to get an early lead and then Georgia to, to maybe fight back and make it a game in the second half. It'll be close, uh, I think, once we get to the fourth quarter. But can TCU hang on is, is, will be the question. Dre, thanks for the visit. We appreciate the Monday morning visits all season long. We'll catch up soon. Yeah, man, I'm going to miss them. But, uh, hey, it'll be back before we know it. and We'll be talking about the 2023 Texans. Yeah, I know I can pick up the phone and text or call Dre anytime, but Three of us have such a good time on broadcast during the games. We also have such a great time uh, talking amongst the three of us on the radio. And it's more a discussion than his interview. 
And it's just always fun with those three the three of us for sure. All right, coming up next, Spencer Tillman. He's played this game. He's been through all kinds of situations when he was the Oilers, the 49ers. He's seen it all. We'll get his thoughts about Sunday. We'll get his thoughts about the future. We'll do that with Spencer Tillman next right here on Texans All Access. Texans Radio continues in a moment. Texans Radio is back. Yes, sir. Welcome back to a Monday edition of Texas All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. It's time to dive in with our good pal, Spencer Tillman. There's probably nobody I like talking to in situations like these where there's change, there's, you know, there's some shape-shifting, if you will, of the organization. I'd love to get Spencer's thoughts um, on them. I think he does it uh, so eloquently telling us, what he thinks, what he's been through, and sharing that experience with us. And he does it now, but we started talking about the game on Sunday. Spencer, i got to start with you right there. You played this game, and we talked about this with Andre, and I think it's important to address the feeling of the players and coaches involved in a contest. You don't ask them to lose a game. They're trying to win a game, and they won the game yesterday. And I get the disappointment of not having the number one pick. Believe me, I totally understand that. But at the same time, I understand where the players are coming from. They're trying their best to win football games. Uh, I do believe that you, you nailed it. I mean, when your season is reduced to a series of one-game seasons, I think it matters more because you have more on the line each time you step out on the football field. You're not worried about playoff scenarios and things of that nature. You're literally worried about utility. This is survival, right? You don't know where you're going to be. Uh, and so that combined with the other events that happened earlier in the week with the Hamlin situation in Buffalo, you know, that – created an environment where there was a sense of finality, right? And I, I think that was part of it. It's, it's, it's an extension of some of the same things that the Texans were thinking about, the finality of obviously Lovey uh, being let go. And all of that just created one of those situations and scenarios where you step on the field knowing that this could be the last time you do what you do here or ever. And so that, to me, anything that can induce that sense of reality is a good thing for the game. Now, you don't want to stay in that state all the time because uh, it, it gets stressful to the point where you can't really function. But, man, I'll tell you, there's something about sport that brings out the best of us, and there was no question about what this team was aiming at. It wasn't about draft status and position and all of that. No, it was about getting that victory, improving my personal status, the team status, and doing the best that we possibly can and send this coach out of here, although they didn't know it at the time on a winning note. Spencer, I asked this question to Mark and, and Andre earlier. When you look at the fact they've got cap space, they've got a bunch of draft picks, especially this year, and then they'll have more in the future too. And you look at some of the pieces of Peace, uh, Peace, Pierce, Petrie, et cetera. How do you look at this job as a, the, as a head coach compared to what it was the last couple of years or maybe even a few years before that? What do you, what do you see with all of that, taking all that into account, how this job looks to a potential head coaching candidate? Well, it depends on what kind of visionary you are, if you can see what's possible. And I'm just being honest with you. I'm not trying to play agent or anything like that, guys. But because of the context that a coach would come in here, let's say, for example, if you're saying Sykes with the, with the Eagles, uh, he, he did a wonderful job with Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts. If I'm coming in here, the first thing I'm going to do is say, hey, look, it's not about race, not about any of that stuff. We know that the last two coaches that have been here have had short runs. i got to have some assurance that I'm going to get more years in this deal. So to answer your question by extension, John, that's part of the equation, right? It, the, you've got the cap space. 
you got a couple of nuts you got to crack and figure out. You know, you got an $18 million bullet you're looking at and Brandon Cooks. What are you going to do there? Will you have a number one receiver? You know, I know you got Beachy uh, coming back perhaps, but we don't know what his health status will be. You can't bank on that. You got some pieces. Even if you do get that quarterback that you think is going to be your franchise guy, I got news for you guys. There's no historical record not even more recently with Trevor Lawrence, where you had a guy coming in here that's going to nail that first year. I mean, Peyton Manning struggled. Hey, Troy Aikman, if you want to go back to old school. All of those guys have a history of struggling in that first year. So if you're thinking it's going to turn and be a panacea with that new position, whether it's one or two, it's not going to happen. It's going to take a while to adjust. So if I'm a coach coming in and I'm looking at this, I'm on tiptoes of anticipation. Why? I've got money, I've got an opportunity, and if I've got a willingness as a young guy, to come in here and give me some creativity, some, some latitude, man, the sky's the limit of what you could possibly do. You've got a great infrastructure to work with to have great success down the road. Spencer, offensive-minded or defensive-minded head coach, do you not care? Do you have any names in mind for potential candidates that you'd be interested in? Well, I just mentioned Shane Steichen. I, I, I think that he, to me, because of his pedigree, what he did with Jalen Hurts this year, we know that the quarterbacks of the future and the current times have a, a degree of mobility that is beyond what we historically have viewed is a classic stand-in-the-pocket guy. Well, he's shown that he's been able to, to nurture Jalen Hurts, right? Justin Herbert is another guy who had a chance to – I did like nine games of his over the last uh, 43 years that he was in, in, at, at Oregon. When you start to look at those guys like that, of that ilk, and you have consistent success, that's what a true coach is. A true coach can come in and coach a guy no matter what it is that he brings as a skill set, as long as he's got the suite of tools that are requisite for the position and you can come in and coach him up, that tells me something about who you are. You're not going to be shoehorned into doing something with someone who has a suite of skills that don't align with your pedigree or the way you raised. And so I think I think that Shane has – he fits that bill. I don't think Jonathan Gannon, their Eagles also their defensive coordinator, I don't think you go defense. I really don't. I think – we're at the point now, guys, where you accept to have 300-plus yards of total offense. Uh, we, we see that at the college level. And I remember guys used to just be scratching themselves, just, just upset at the fact that you gave up X number of yards. Well, in the spread error, man, you have to redefine what constitutes good defense. And I think the NFL, because it has adopted those spread concepts, has to make that adjustment of well as well. What constitutes good defense these days? You're going to give up some great plays. I mean, Ohio State's playing for the national championship one year, and then they bring in another guy who gave up nearly 300 yards of a game, and said, yet they made it. That happens, guys. It's just the way that it is. It's the era that we're in. So if we can make that shift, whoever comes in here is going to be an – to me, needs to be an offensive-minded guy. Uh, bring a great defensive mind with you, but you have to have the assurance that you're not going to expect me to shut down teams in this era that we're in right now in the National Football League. National championship is tonight, Spencer. So I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to bring Texans and the game into focus. Mm-hmm. Either Stetson Bennett or Max Duggan is the starting quarterback for the Texans in 2023. Which one you taking? Uh, Max Duggan. Uh, and again, it's not because he has a suite of skills that would fit the aforementioned scheme that I just mentioned because he's a different cat, man. He's, he's, he's a physical, tough guy. Uh, he's he's got great jets, unbelievable speed. Believe it or not, because uh, a lot of people don't think he has speed. The guy's got track type speed. He he is that good and he's that big. Um, I had him three times this year, and the thing I like about the guy, he's he's integrated his passion within the scheme. And here's the thing: 
they're benefiting from not just Lincoln Riley's brother that's on the staff, Sonny Cumbie, other guys that are still on that staff, they go deep as far as their IP is concerned. If they, That intellectual capital on that coaching staff is second to none in this nation. If you look at the arc of their success in the third and fourth quarters, they do a masterful job of coming back. And that comes as a result of the aggregated talents that those coaches have. You can see them. They remind me of the old 49 teams I was on. We had more come from behind victories than anybody in the history of the game because we were good at discerning what happened in the first half and exploiting it in the second half. You can't do that without great coaches. And that's what uh, Max Duggan has benefited from. So I'm looking at it from the standpoint of what he's been exposed to, and he's going to be a benefactor of that. If he can convert that at the next level, I could go to war with him on Sunday. Spencer, do you have a Super Bowl pick? We won't hold you to it, except we're putting money on the line. Just kidding. <laughs> we won't hold you to it. What are you thinking? You know, I wouldn't bet against the, the Buffalo Bills. And I'm going to tell you guys, here's why. Buffalo Bills, once you get a narrative, there is nothing more compelling than a person with a cause. And, and again, we all benefited and were forced to deal with the reality of what Mr. Hamlin's situation was. I was just talking to some of our folks here at Methodist uh, maybe 15 minutes ago about the fact that 350,000 people die every year from cardiac events. But what was different about the football incident that happened earlier this week was that it allowed that casual fan, that margin fan, who probably sees most athletes as overpaid, spoiled, and maybe not deserving. It brought them into the realm of the common man. So everybody on this, in your listening audience, has known someone who's had a cardiac event. So all of a sudden, that player becomes human. So now they begin to touch a nerve, and a nation becomes gripped by it, indeed the world by extension. When you have that kind of power, and it's concentrated in the context of a team, let me tell you, I'm getting excited right now. At 58 years of age, I feel like I can go hit somebody and play a game. I'm telling you, that's how I'm good for a series right now, guys. I'm good for a series. <laughs> but if you've got a narrative like that, I would not bet against the Buffalo Bills. Good for a series. Where were you when we needed you earlier this year? Oh, my <laughs> gosh. You would have dove over from the three against Dallas for a touchdown. That's for sure. Spencer, jeez. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks a lot for the visits all season long, Spencer. We appreciate you it. You guys. Take care. I love you. Man. Now, if you wonder why I mentioned to Spencer diving over from the top, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to YouTube. I want you to put in Spencer Tillman diving touchdown Oklahoma and see what pops up. And then you'll see what I'm talking about. Spencer has one of the great touchdowns in college football history when he essentially catapulted from the five-yard line and dove into the end zone on a touchdown run. It's one of the sickest things you'll see all day. So go check that out. I would imagine that happens. I, I don't have my computer in front of me, so I don't know exactly. But I think if you put in Spencer Tillman diving touchdown Oklahoma into your YouTubes, you're going to see one of the great touchdowns of all time. When we get back, let's wrap up week 18. Look ahead to the playoffs. And do all that right here on Texans All Access. Let's go. Texans All Access continues in a moment. Back to the show that keeps you plugged in with the Houston Texans. We got one final segment of the season, actually, right here on Texans All Access. We'll go into off-season 6 to 7 p.m. every single night mode the Monday after the Super Bowl. So, we will have podcasts. We'll have all kinds of content. I'm going to the Senior Bowl, and I think it's the for it's the last day or so of January on into the first few days of February. So I'll have Harris hits from there. I have all kinds of observations from the Senior Bowl. Uh, obviously, you want to check FootballTakeover.com. That's also my site, Talking Draft. So I'll be talking Draft at HoustonTexas.com all year long, talking it 
at my site. So definitely check that out. Now, one thing that Mark and I really didn't talk about this morning or a lot with what was going on this evening is what happened yesterday, week 18, not including the Texans, not including the Texans. There was a lot of stuff going on. It started Saturday night. No, wait, hold on. I got to get my music rolling one final time this year. There it is, and let's go. It started with the AFC South championship game as the Jaguars got a strip sack from Rayshon Jenkins, a scoop and score from Josh Allen. The Jags are your AFC South champions, 20-16. to 16. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, not a great night. Not a great night. Did throw for 212 yards and a touchdown. Didn't turn it over. Josh Dobbs, I thought, in the last two games against Dallas and Jacksonville, he held up pretty well. And if they've got a better plan of attack in the final few minutes, maybe that game goes the other way. Uh, but congratulations to the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, for that win. And by the way, Titans, offense, offense coordinator Todd Downing, fired amongst probably three or four different coaches, including former Texans secondary coach Anthony Midget. Uh, he is fired today. Keith Carr, the offensive line coach, and Keith Down, or Todd Downing, offense coordinator for the Titans, fired. So Jags moved to 9-8. They'll play the Los Angeles Chargers in the playoffs. The Chiefs took out the Raiders 31-13 as the Chiefs are the number one seed in the AFC. The Falcons beat the Bucks 30-17. The Bills, my goodness, Naeem Hines. Two kickoff returns as they honored the first responders, the medical team, and the training staff from the Buffalo Bills. That was an unbelievable scene. If you haven't seen that, go check it out. They knocked the Patriots out of the playoffs. Bills are number two seed. They will play the Miami Dolphins next week. 35-23 bills get the win the vikings beat the bears vikings the two seed over in the nfc the bengals beat the ravens they will turn right around and go back to cincinnati to take on the ravens as the bengals ended up with the three seed right now well i guess right now they are three seed so they'll play the ravens at home next week 27 to 16 as they knock off the Ravens in Baltimore. Texans beat the Colts 32-31. Yeah, the Dolphins winning 11-6 over the Jets. Not pretty. But the Dolphins with that win, and the Patriots lost, got into the playoffs. Panthers beat the Saints. They didn't help us out. The Saints could have moved down below us, but that didn't happen in the draft with Cleveland's pick. Speaking of Cleveland, Cleveland lost 28-14 to the Steelers, but the Steelers knocked out of the playoffs because of the Dolphins' win. Browns struggled uh, with Deshaun Watson back. They finished 7-10. That Browns team will be better. Uh, but a lot of drama around the Browns team. Jadavion Clowney, all that kind of stuff. Broncos beat the Chargers. Good on Russell Wilson. The Eagles beat the Giants. Giants played Davis Webb. But the Eagles got the win. The Eagles are the one seed in the NFC. The 49ers look scary. 38-13 in J.J. Watt's last game. He got a sack, but the Niners get the win, 38-13. Dominated that game. The 49ers are the two seed, and they will take on the Seahawks, who beat the Rams in overtime. And the Seahawks get in because the Lions beat the Packers 20-16. My goodness, what a weekend it was, and what a season it's been. Better times are ahead for this Texans team. And a big thanks to you for listening all season long. The support does not go unnoticed. We thank you so much. We thank Mark. Andre, Spencer, John McClain, everybody back at 610, everybody in this organization. We will see you after the Super Bowl. Thank you so much again. And as always, go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610.